0: Welcome to the Reclaim Your Rise podcast. My name is Lauren Bongiorno, nationally board-certified health coach and founder and CEO of Risley Health, where we help people and families impacted by type 1 diabetes take ownership over their lives so that they can transform with more freedom and confidence. Everyone has a different reason to be here. You might be seeking knowledge, support, or community, but at your core, I know that you long for something deeper. You're here for Transformation. And that's what the Reclaim Your Rise podcast is all about. As a kid, when you're so just susceptible to all the messaging and not really fully understanding, I think the full picture, you can grow up, which we see a lot of the time in our adult clients that were diagnosed as kids. Like they they start to resent their diabetes, and they look at other people eating, you know, ice cream or whatnot, and and they feel this sense of I can have it, but then my body's gonna betray me if my blood sugar goes high or if I you know if I don't have it then I'm missing out and you know it's it's complex a quick reminder before we start the show that nothing you hear on the reclaim your rise podcast should be a substitute for personalized professional medical advice please always consult your physician or other medical professional before making any changes to your diet insulin dosages or healthcare plan Hello, and welcome back to the show, everyone. It has been a little while since we delivered an episode solely geared towards parents and caregivers of kids with type 1 diabetes, so I'm really excited to talk about this topic with you today around the do's and don'ts of nutrition for kids with type 1 diabetes, which, yes, I realize is a hot topic and can also be an overwhelming one and You know, you're not sure. Do I follow this book or this blog or what this person does? So we're going to break it all down and get all into it today. But first, I just want to start off by sharing that if this is your first time discovering the show or discovering Risley, welcome. I'm so so glad that you're here. And going into this episode, it's really important for you to know that I am not a dietitian, nor am I coming from the place of telling you what to explicitly feed your child, but. Rather, I'm coming from the lens that for the last 22 years, my life has included my own diabetes. I was diagnosed when I was seven and I have my own set of experience and you know, relationship to food and all of that. But also for the last seven years, my life has included thousands of other people's Diabetes and experiences through the coaching that we've done at Risley and the Risley community members. And through all that exposure, I have seen a lot, a lot of what has worked what hasn't worked, what people are most overwhelmed by, the paths that they get on that they feel really energized by and then realize, oh, wait, this isn't sustainable. And, you know, all the tips and tricks and insights that ultimately leave people feeling way more confident and empowered in their numbers and in their mindset and relationship to diabetes. And this goes for both if you you know are living with type 1 diabetes or if you're a parent with um, a child or multiple children that have type 1. So, that being said, I'm sure that at one point, or maybe even at multiple points, since your child's been diagnosed, you've asked yourself, you know, what is the best way to approach food with my child? And maybe your approach has even changed, right? Um, but there, there's two main reasons that this tends to be overwhelming for people, right? Like I think even if you just take diabetes out of the equation, um, as an, as a parent, you're, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what is the Best way to get my kid to eat, you know, vegetables and new, these, these nutrients and this and uh, more of this vitamin. And then you add diabetes on top of it and it adds, you know, even just like a thicker layer of complexity. And so it can be overwhelming. Let us all just get on the same page about that, but we can figure this out together and you might be feeling, you know, overwhelmed for probably two reasons. So one, you're over informed in all of the diets or I don't even I don't even wanna use the word diets in terms of like traditional use of it of, you know, intended to, to lose weight or anything like that. But just diets and just you know, the way of following a food philosophy or, you know, a a way that you are following, you know, eating. But there's a lot out there, right? There's moms in Facebook groups sharing straight lines of their child's Dexcom chart and saying, you know, low carb is the best thing that we've ever done for our family. And then you have, you know, your doctor maybe saying to you, just you know kind of let your kid eat whatever you want with diabetes it's fine just make sure you give insulin for it and you know kind of deal with the the highs later and then you might have you know every, anywhere in between so that might be one reason right just like the conflicting information that's out there um, we're in an age where there's so much overconsumption of everything and we're overstimulated by choices and options that it's harder for us to listen to our own intuition of You know as a mother as a parent like what is best for for maybe my child and feeling confident in that decision um and so that's one thing and then number two is the flip side right you're under informed on the one thing that matters most and that's what we're going to talk about in a little bit right like this one thing that I really feel and we'll, we'll dive into it it's not just one thing but it's these you know these layers uh, under this umbrella of how to really approach diabetes and it's because it's not really what's talked about enough we're we're so used to in a society like seeing a headline of a book and wanting it to be really descriptive of like you know this way of eating is going to solve all your problems or this way and um, the approach that I'm going to take you through is maybe not necessarily the most straightforward or easy to follow but it is the thing that i have seen uh parents of kids with type 1 diabetes like when they f- get in the groove of it like it is the thing that makes them have so much more peace of mind so before we go into the area that you might be underinformed in i want to focus on these three different you know food philosophies diets whatever you want to call them that i've seen most um families take at one point in their child's you know post diagnosis era and I want to talk about the pros and cons of each so let's dive into the first one which is the most you know obvious one if I were to say hey like what do you think is the most popular you know thing that people push for people who have type 1 diabetes it's you know low carb or a keto diet and we hear from a lot of parents that this was maybe something that they considered right they their child was diagnosed they got to the point of, you know, learning and educating themselves more and kind of thinking, well, all right, if carbs and sugar are going to raise, you know, their blood sugar, why don't we just kind of eliminate that problem or try to really watch that? And that makes sense right like on the surface and you might even hear from the doctor in the beginning like you know carbs just you can eat anything but just you know not like stay away from those high carbs or the sugar and things like that and so our minds get primed that way Um, and we think all right less carbs equals less insulin equals overall easier management and You know, whether it's keto, which I think for a child is very rare to see, right? Like, I think it's more in adults that have type 1 diabetes. I feel like for children, the the family or the parents might kind of lean towards more of like a lower carb diet where um, they are, you know, really trying to aim for more protein and more fats and just moderate carbs. Um, But the pros of doing this are that number one, like you'll see the whole family making the switch over to very available you know, uh, options and substitutes like cauliflower rice or cauliflower pizza or almond flour based breads, and you know, swapping out maybe like high glycemic fruits for just berries. And oh, we only eat strawberries and berries, we don't touch maybe the bananas or the pineapple, those types of fruits. So, the pro of that is that it, it makes it easier for the whole family to kind of adapt to because it's just these like substitutions that they're making. And at first, another pro is you're gonna realize your child. Child's numbers are going to be better, and you might start to think like, "Wow, this seems like the solution. Like maybe this whole diabetes thing isn't so bad as long as we just limit the carbs and he has or she has, you know, the cheeses and the meats and the, you know, quinoa instead of the rice. Like this thing, you know, we can we can deal with this. And those are the pros, right? But then when we start to look at the cons of this right and we look over time of what can happen when you have your child on a stricter lower carb or moderate carb diet and you see things start to happen like them potentially developing a poor relationship with food or they see cookies and crackers or breads or fruit or whatever it is at a friend's house or at school and they see that as oh I can't have that at my house I want to be able to eat what everybody else is going to eat and they might feel you know like just they just want to eat a lot of it because they don't have access to this all the time can also become resentful of their diabetes right and internalize this as well diabetes is the reason why i can't eat these other foods that everybody else eats and even though you as a parent might be thinking well it's not that you can't have it it's just you know the better choice for your blood sugar as a kid when you're so just susceptible to all the messaging and not really fully understanding i think the full picture you can grow up, which we see a lot of the time in our adult clients that were diagnosed as kids, like they they start to resent their diabetes and they look at other people eating, you know, ice cream or whatnot and and they feel this sense of I can have it, but then my body's gonna betray me if my blood sugar goes high or If I, you know, if I don't have it, then I'm missing out and, you know, it's, it's complex. And then also there's, you know, something that's not talked about enough, which is that there's this increased chance that they may become very likely more insulin resistant over time because by nature, if you're decreasing carbs, you're increasing fats and protein, which a lot of tons of research will show that it increases your insulin resistance. And so that means that on the few occasions where they do have those higher carb foods, whether there's, you know, tacos, regular pizza, insert any dessert. Their blood sugars will go high and it's going to be a lot harder to get them down. And this will probably make you feel like, oh, this is all the reason to avoid more carbs because, see, every time we eat this, then they, you know, my child goes high. But the truth is, is that this you know, decrease of of carbs and increase of fat and protein is kind of just, you know, making that worse and increasing the insulin resistance. And so those are, you know, some of the cons of, of doing that, but for sure there are pros. And I think that's what kind of sucks people in at first. So, um, let's shelf that one for a second and let's head over to the second food philosophy diet that we see which is a high-carb, low-fat, plant-based diet. I just mentioned how when you have this low-carb way of eating, you may see this insulin resistance that happens because you're eating more higher fats or higher proteins. And this is kind of like the solution for that, right? There, are, there is a school of thought in a lot of people, and there is one very mainstream book on this that recently came out on, hey, carbs may not be the problem. I think fat is. And so let's just remove the fat and eat super, super low fat. And then we could eat all the carbs in the world. And from a science perspective, this actually plays out, right? It, 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 Plays out to be true. It does work, right? When you eat super low fat, uh, you you're you can have so much of the carbs. I mean, I've tried this diet myself in my early 20s. I, you know, there are two specific leaders in this school of thought who are, you know, pushing this forward for a lot of the type two and pre-diabetic, and then by nature, type ones fell in there as well, community. And I was all bought in. I was like, all right, this must be the solution. And so I did it and it definitely worked. I was having like 400 to 500 carbs a day, but it had to be of these like, you know, plant-based all fruits diet. And I couldn't have really any fat. So that means no oils, no avocado, no peanut butter, no, you know, all that. And me living and growing up in New York from an Italian family, like that wasn't that sustainable, right? And not even just the fact that I, didn't feel like it was sustainable in my you know, family or that they wouldn't be accepting of that. But just like for me, I felt like an outsider when I came home and I was trying to like sustain that way of eating. And so yes, it worked for my blood sugars, but it wasn't working for like holistically what I wanted my life to look like. So pros of this clearly are you, if you eat little to no fat, you will have higher insulin sensitivity and you could eat a ton of carbs also another pro is this is a very plant forward plant-based diet. So you're getting a ton of vegetables, a ton of nutrients, you know, really great for just overall health in that sense. But the con is, is that what you have to cut out for this to actually work is extreme, right? It's like no meat, no dairy, no oil, no nuts, no seeds. And that also by nature, another con is you have this increased fear of foods that start to happen, right? And now you're not demonizing carbs anymore, but you're demonizing fats. So both of those examples so far of way of eating are total opposites you know on the spectrum and you will find people who support both of them and people who say yeah this is what works for me but for kids Right, like to be introducing this at such a young age is is not really, in my expert opinion and personal experience as well, not great for their relationship to diabetes and food and self later on in life, um, which is the whole point of what you want to do as a parent, right? You want to set them up for success. But I totally understand you don't want to sacrifice the blood sugars now, and we're going to get into that when I go when I start to talk about in a second. Um, you know, well, what is the solution? What you know, what works and what is the do's of nutrition with kids. But let's touch on this last piece here, this last food philosophy, the third one that we see a lot of parents subscribe to if they don't fall in the first or second bucket, which is this thought of like, you know what, just we're going to have our kid eat whatever and just give insulin for it. And I think the school of thought and mindset and what it's rooted in here is really, you know. Don't hold back. Diabetes isn't going to stop us from doing anything. We're gonna to continue to have all of the foods that we want and we're just gonna give insulin for it, and we're not gonna, you know, demonize anything, and we're just gonna live our lives, and, and that's the end of it. And the pros of this is that you get this great sense of food freedom. And, you know, I have diabetes, but I could also have that cupcake. If my friend's birthday is being celebrated at school, or my brother or sister, you know, is having pasta for dinner, and I'm not eating anything different, and so it's this um, uniformity and this 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 experience that you're no you're not different from anybody else, and diabetes isn't going to hold me back. And this is very much the experience that I grew up with, and what my parents really instilled in my upbringing with diabetes being diagnosed at seven. I would say out of the three food philosophies for for children, right, as they're growing up with diabetes, this is probably the best approach, right? But there's still a con and something that I experience big time, which is that how this manifests is frustration of seeing your blood sugars go up and down and and feeling defeat from chasing your numbers and being in such a reactive state and always trying to play catch up and not feeling great with your mood and your energy and your focus and just never kind of having in those early years the understanding that diabetes does make us different and different is okay and learning the key to success with diabetes which is we have to know how to slow down how to listen to our bodies how to know our body's patterns how to make intentional choices so after hearing all this i want to end with going into the five things that we've seen work for parents in letting their kid enjoy their life be a kid but not sacrificing their blood sugars or relationship to food so the first one is encouraging the entire family to take on healthier habits so instead of it going reverse where We are saying you can have as the child with diabetes, like anything else that we're eating. There's elements of that, but it's encouraging the entire family to say, hey, like this is good for all of us to just be eating healthier or moving our body. And a simple example is we had a family who in working with us in, in coaching realized that when their child was hydrated first thing in the morning and they got some water in, their blood sugar post breakfast was so much lower than usual and their child was having a really hard time you know just drinking the water because there was so much focus on like you have to drink your water and you know you can't eat until you drink it versus let's gamify this like who can drink their water bottle faster in the morning time and we have this like competition with the family or whatever it is so you know that's that's one example the second piece is really try to refrain from using the words bad or good foods like that food is bad for your blood sugar or this is a really you know good food for your blood sugar you're not going to go high and instead use the term this is an easier to bolus for food and this is a harder to bolus for food or a more challenging to bolus for food and if you're on MDI bolus is just a term that you will use if your child gets on a pump but You know, doing that, it really starts ingraining in a child early on that we can have all foods, but we do have to think a little bit harder than maybe our siblings or our friends that, you know, don't have diabetes. We can't just like eat it and forget it. We have to think a little bit more on the strategy here. And which brings me to the third point, which is to understand your child's specific response to certain challenge foods and rather than shying away from it and saying, oh no, that's we're just not going to eat that, use the data to create a strategy that works. I can't tell you how many families have come to us saying, Oh my gosh, my child hasn't had, you know, their favorite burger from this place since we were diagnosed. And I feel he was diagnosed or she was diagnosed, and I feel so bad and this and that. And it's like, let's let them have the burger and let's learn to see, like, what's happening with their blood sugars and what strategies we could use to get ahead of that. And it's the most exciting thing when they can have the burger and not go high, or maybe just not go high into the high two. 50s and 300s, you know, elevating a little bit, but being in such a better place than than they would. So that's number three. Number four is to understand the role of insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity. I will say that it's very, very dangerous to start talking. I feel it's it's such a fine line to talk to kids about insulin resistance and insulin sensitivity because what we don't want is we don't want to be framing insulin as bad. We don't want to equate insulin to weight gain. We don't want to equate insulin to try to you know take as least amount as possible. We don't want to you know say oh well you're insulin resistant right now and so you can't eat that. But for you as a parent, it's good to keep this in the back of your mind. Because because let's just give the example that, you know, most people's cortisol cortisol levels are highest in the morning time if they're on a regular, you know, sleep schedule. Let's say going to bed at, you know, eight, nine, 10 o'clock and waking up in the morning. Their cortisol peaks in the first half of the day and then it slowly decreases as the day goes on. And so you might find that having French toast or pancakes for breakfast sends your child's blood sugars through the roof. But what if you had a fun breakfast night and you realize that the Insulin sensitivity is higher in the evening because there's less cortisol going through and less, you know, stress of getting everybody out the house. And we can have a break- fun breakfast night and maybe, you know, adapt so that it can work for, you can have this, but also we're doing things a little bit different because this is going to help your blood sugars. So that is number four. And the last one, and maybe the most important one is Do not expect a straight line. Please don't set that as your expectation. I have had type 1 diabetes for 22 years. I do this for a living. I coach people, my team coaches people, and my team of seven coaches that live with type 1 diabetes, none of us have straight lines all the time. None of us have 100% time and range. So don't chase that goal because you're always going to be letting yourself down. You, if you don't have diabetes, your blood sugar goes up when you eat something. And so allow for that rise, but just try to keep your mind on how can we just reduce the amount of time that they stay up there and the degree to which, you know, how how high it does rise? So those are five things to be thinking about that we have found is kind of what you want to be thinking about when you approach these foods is is it's not have this, have that, don't eat this, don't eat that, eat high carb or high fat or all of that. It's not that as much as it is. Let's figure out tools and strategies to support the you know, just like what you, what we want to do as a family and what we decide on. And those five things that I just mentioned are really, I believe the cornerstones of families that we've worked with, that we have seen, you know, have a um, good dynamic with food and what has worked for a lot of people. So overall, as a parent, remember you are doing so much for your child. Give yourself grace. It's not going to be perfect all the time. This is a tricky, tricky thing. Um, I really am a big believer of the fact that You know, you can be, quote unquote, the most perfect parent in the world and your child is still going to struggle in some way later on in life, no matter what you do. So you just want to try to, you know, limit it or take this knowledge for instance, that you're getting from this podcast and and implement it and just do the best you can with what you have in every moment. So that being said, I want you to take a pause. Think about what your number one takeaway from this episode is. Even send me a DM on Instagram to let me know. My Instagram is at Lauren underscore Bongiorno, and I cannot wait to connect with you there. But just a PSA, if you are a parent who is struggling and you know that you should be identifying patterns in your child's blood sugars but you feel like that's impossible to do with all the variables and you want to have better strategies for your child's favorite food and foods and activities so that you don't always feel like you're either avoiding situations or winging it and you are really clear that you want to gain a better understanding of your child's blood sugar patterns and have an action plan to move you forward and realistic real life examples of how to you know utilize it and implement it i want to i do want to share that we do have a resource that could be great for you it's our most popular resource for families it's the family intensive session it's basically a one-on-one coaching session for 60 minutes with a coach on our team who has type 1 diabetes and you'll come to that call you will come with your you know top two to three biggest challenges you'll fill out an intake form ahead of time so we know all the background about your child and you know what's been going on and in that call you'll leave with you know all your questions answered it's very in-depth Intimate support. You'll leave with an action plan, next steps, kind of you know, two to three things that you're going to work on moving forward. Have more confidence, and that's usually the first entry point for parents into Rizly before coming into like a full blown coaching program. So we're gonna put that link for you. If you're interested in that session, you can book it below. If you happen to be coming from Connecticut Children's Clinic, um, you guys, because of our relationship with them and the work that we do to support all the amazing patients at that clinic there's a discount code as well that you could also find in the show notes so um, don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions you could email hello at risleyhealth.com if this podcast it was helpful for you if you learned something please rate it on apple to help us rise and help other families and people living with diabetes find it and i hope to see you here same place same time next tuesday take care guys